five, four, three, two, one. If we have any goals this season? Absolutely. We're going to win a lot of games. We're going to get in the playoffs. Touchdown, Bears! The Bears are what we thought they were. Go Bears! Bears Nation. We have a young football team. We're going to figure out how to finish and how to close games. We'll have a plan for that. There's just something that, that needs to be done, something that needs to be changed, needs to be fixed. We all need to look ourselves in the mirror and figure out how, what we can do to make this team better and ultimately win ball games. I'm tired of hearing, oh, we're getting better. We're going in the right direction, but we keep losing. As players and as a team, we, we want to win. We want to figure it out. Don't lose faith, guys. I don't lose. I win. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Get ready for a lot of fun and excitement. Powered by, powered by, powered by Bet, Bet, Bet Stamp. Strap it in. I know you're going to dig this. It's Bears Nation, baby. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Bears Nation podcast. It is Monday, November 21st. And it is another Victory Monday as the Bears lose their third in a row in ideal, I re- oh, ideal fashion. And you are now poised to have a top five, nay, allow me to say a top three pick in the yes. NFL draft or as you are tied for the second worst record in the league. You are tied with the Carolina Panthers for the second overall pick. And ladies and gentlemen, the Carolina Panthers this week play, if I'm not mistaken, let me just make sure I'm right first before I continue on this this uh, little vocal sojourn, as it were. I'm right. They play the Denver Broncos and cooked Russell Wilson at home. So let that sink in for a second. After this week, ladies and gentlemen, where you'll probably have Trevor Simeon playing a good Jets defense for the Bears. We'll get into that a little bit later. But Carolina Panthers... Welcome the Denver Broncos, the underwhelming Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, who lost to the Las Vegas Raiders and Josh McDaniels this past weekend. There's a real chance by this time next week, Kevin Lapka, Chicago Bears will be in sole possession of the second overall pick going into the 2023 NFL Draft after you, again, I reiterate, lose in ideal fashion. The Atlanta Falcons, 27-24. to 24. Justin Fields plays really well again. Obviously, the ending doesn't go exactly how you want concerning his health. We'll get into that. Kevin Lapka will give us some insight into that. But once again, I would like to welcome you all to this edition of Bears Nation Podcast, hosted by myself, Jake Hassan. Joined, as always, by Kevin Lapka. How are we doing, bud? Good, and you called it, man. We got to give Jake a little bit of credit here. I put out a video on TikTok and Instagram around the socials. If you guys listened to this show last week, the pregame show, if you remember Jake's bold prediction, it was this. He said the Chicago Bears are going to lose, and the defining moment will be a Cordero Patterson kickoff return touchdown. And that is, I, I don't know if it was the defining moment, but it was technically, statistically, the difference in the game. You know, had that not happened, you could say that you pull seven points off the board and they win the game, right? So credit to Jay. You that was spot on. And actually, it wasn't just that. You nailed your Cole Komet pick. Uh, you said just keep going over on yards on him, which it was like I swept only- Kevin Luck. I think what that's what they call a clean sweep. I not only was, was the only one on this show to pick the Falcons to win, but mm-hmm. I also went three for three on my bold prediction slash props. So yes, I would call that a clean sweep. Feel pretty good about it. Uh, feel great about it, actually. And now the Bears are on track to have a top three pick, maybe a top two pick in the draft. I feel personally 
pretty damn good by myself. You should. You should. It's a job well done. It's a job Thank well you. done. You were, you were, you, you know, you've actually been doing pretty well on the bull predictions too. So you, you do, you deserve a little bit of credit. What was the third one that you nailed? Uh, what was the field third one? seventy-five plus rushing yards? All right, over. that's right. Which was always just, uh, just a lot yeah, week after week it. after week. Uh, but not next week because he likely will not play. So, do we break that down? Yeah. So that is the big news. Justin Fields. Uh, it's revealed actually just a couple hours ago. Uh, Ian Rappaport, I believe. Yep. reporting that Justin Fields dislocated his shoulder during the game against the Falcons, played through it, played through severe pain, but just tried to tough it out. Obviously, we've been saying all year how tough Justin Fields is as he gets murdered, just relentlessly gets hounded game after game after game, just taking hit after hit after hit. I mean, we always said, Kevin, we always said this is the this is the problem with Justin Fields and you know the offensive line and that you put him at risk. The more you trot him out there, and obviously, of course, when you set him out on designed runs, he's going to take more hits as well. He actually did a nice job sliding and getting rid of the ball Mm -hmm. throughout that game, uh, I thought, for the most part. But this was always a concern. Uh, This was always a concern this year with how poor this offensive line has played that this was going to happen at this point. And it's honestly a shock, as Shane M. kind of alludes to, it's a shock that it didn't happen sooner, to be honest. Uh, then it's a miracle almost that he made it this far, especially after some of those games in the beginning of the year when he was just constantly getting hit and barely getting throws off. Uh, But Justin Fields dislocates his left shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, Matt Eberflew says he is day-to-day and that his situation for Sunday is TBD. I don't think he should play against a good Jets defense, arguably the best defense in the NFL. Uh, if you can, a game that you probably weren't going to win anyway, if we're being completely honest, despite how bad the Jets offense is, this Bears defense is also terrible. So it kind of like water finds its level in a certain way there. And especially if Mike White's going to play, Zach Wilson isn't going to (laughs) play and Mike White's going to play, then I'd say that the Jets had a better chance. So a game you probably weren't going to win anyway. I'm fine with sitting Justin Fields for the week, letting him just rest up. And, you know, taking a week off and then taking it from there, because obviously we've talked about your window likely opens next year. Does. And especially if you're going to have the ability to draft someone like a Will Anderson to anchor the defense or whatever or whoever you pick. But Justin Fields is expecting to get a little even better next year, take another step forward, another leap. And you're expected to spend a ton of money on the offensive line and the receivers to help Justin Fields have more success next year. So you're expecting the window to get thrown wide open next year. And there's no reason to risk Justin Fields being out for the year and subjecting us to potentially a full year of Trevor Simeon next year. And you just piss that year away. Would much rather you sit him, take the cautious route. I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying don't play him the rest of the year. Obviously the best thing for Justin Fields is to play and continue getting better. As we've seen over the last month and a half, the last five, six weeks, as he's gotten better and better each week and continue to stack these performances uh, that have really given us the hope that the window gets thrown open next year. Don't risk it. Take the cautious approach. You know, you have a couple weeks, even if he sits two weeks, you know, even if he misses two games, I'm fine with kicking this can down the road and give him the last three, four games at the end of the year. Make sure that shoulder's okay. Don't risk further injury. I mean, there were a couple times where he got hit in the legs, you know, and he was slow to get up. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God, okay. You know, you're like this – there goes his knee, you know, and, and you get scared. And like, thankfully that didn't happen. And a dislocated shoulder, obviously, Kevin, you're going to tell us a little bit because you've had an experience similar. Um, but 
I, I'm before we get into that, I vote for taking the cautious route all the way with this. Yeah, absolutely have to. And, and let's just get into it. So I have dislocated my right shoulder and I also have a torn labor on my left shoulder. So it's important noting that this is Justin Fields' left shoulder. So not a throwing shoulder. And that does change a lot of the way we view the recovery process here and the decisions that are going to be made. If it was his right shoulder, he's done. He's out for the season, get surgery tomorrow. Like that is like mm-hmm. without a question, because for as much force and pressure you're putting on that, you cannot play through a right shoulder dislocation. Um, so what happens really, you know, most of the time, what happened to me is when you dislocate your shoulder, you tear your labrum because your labrum and a little bit of anatomy here is, is, is the muscle that is the bumper for the shoulder. Um, for the sh- for the shoulder to keep it in the socket. So when you dislocate your shoulder, it tears right through the labrum, and that's what causes it to dislocate. It goes right through that bumper. So if I had to guess as well, we haven't heard this, but it's it has to be. It pretty much is almost a guarantee that he also has a torn labrum. So what you see a lot of guys do is you see Dalvin Cook. You see, I think Mitch had a similar injury, right? Something that he I don't know if he dislocated, but a similar shoulder injury in 2019. Um, something like, yeah, rotator something cuff like maybe. that, right? But I do want to say it was his throwing shoulder. I can't I think exactly it was his rotator remember. cuff. Right. Um, so I we're, we're tell you Baker I Mayfield had this injury. His right, last right. Year Baker in Mayfield. It's it's pretty common, actually. And the moment I saw Justin Fields go down and hold that shoulder, I knew it was dislocated. I because I've seen it and it's happened to me, and I knew exactly what was going on there. Um, so what he can do, and, and the reason why they say it day to day is although you tear that labrum and you're not throwing shoulder, if you just strengthen enough a little bit to where it's not susceptible to popping out. You know, all the time, you know, you do a little bit of rehab, let it uh, heal a little bit. You can play through it. 100% can play through it. I, I've got a torn labor in my left shoulder, and I played through that for years. Um, but I didn't dislocate that one. So the difference with the dislocation is this. If you don't get surgery, and this is what the surgeon told me when I dislocated my right shoulder. If you don't get surgery and you go through the route of physical therapy and rehab and just strengthening, not just the labor, but the muscles around it to prevent it from popping out, your dislocation rate is still like anywhere between 7 to 90%. Like in the future at any time, like it is probably going to get re-dislocated. If you get surgery, it's about a four to five month, five to six month recovery. But that dislocation rate goes down to zero to 10%. Like it, like if the surgery's done well and you rehab it correctly, you probably shouldn't re-dislocate it for the rest of your career. So although it's not the ring shoulder, for as much as he runs, as much as he's willing to take hits, we saw it against the, the Lions where he's just willing to put his shoulder right into a defender. I am honestly, if it is a torn labrum and other things are messed up there, I would say sit him for the rest of the year, get surgery now so that, you know, given a five to six month schedule, he's back around April, May, he's there in time for OTAs, he's there in time for training camp for a full, you know, camp with, you know, new receivers, whoever may be from the draft, right, to build those connections. You don't want to miss any time uh, in those crucial months. So given the extent of that injury. I just say get the surgery now, like keep him out, get the surgery now, heal it up. So that way in the, in the future of his career for a player that we believe is going to be, you know, susceptible, susceptible to being hit for the rest of his career. Like is we can argue that Justin Fields should not be running as much, but it's going to be part of his game. Like this is a defining moment of his game. He will never just be solely a pocket passer. This will always be a part of his game because that's, what's going to make him great. And if that's going to be the case, he's going to need that to be healthy. Although it's his non-throwing shoulder, like, it affects you when when you're when you're playing. You you don't you're not willing to take those hits as much. You're not willing, you know, to do the same things because you're a little bit nervous about it potentially popping out again. 
So you saw it with, I think Dalvin Cook is a great example. This happened to Dalvin Cook. He dislocated his shoulder, came back like the next week. Everyone's like, oh my God, how'd he do that? He didn't look like the same player. Eventually got surgery, took the time, came out, uh, you know, the next year. And I think, I think it was like last year, got surgery and looked fine. So that's personally what I would do. And if anything, it goes to your point, you know, if he goes out and he's out for the rest of the year and then Simeon comes in, you pretty much lock yourself into a top three pick. Like the Bears are not winning another game. They might win one game with Trevor Simeon. And then all, everyone's going to start, you know, quarterback controversy if that happens. But no, works no shot. No, someone, you know who will? LaShawn McCoy will. 0.0% chance. 0.0% chance. Come on. J-Rock says a separated shoulder does require surgery. Does it? I, I don't I don't know what you... I think he meant to say a separated shoulder doesn't require surgery. And, and this is the key point. It doesn't require it. And this is why you heard Maddie before say, well, it's day-to-day, but it could be season-ending. The reason why he's sure. saying that is, well, if he decides not to get surgery, it's a day-to-day injury. He could play next week. But if he obviously decides to get surgery, he's out for the year. So I think what they're trying to decide is, you know, he might go to a couple of specialists. He might see a couple of doctors, get some second opinions. You know, guys do that all the time. They fly him out to L.A., get a second opinion from a, you know, a shoulder expert and see what they do. So that's why everyone's like, well, wow, you know, how are you going to say he's day to day? But also could be shoulder season ending because if they decide to get the surgery, then it's season ending. But it's not required. Again, if it was a throwing shoulder, it would be required. Given the fact that it's non-throwing, it's not required. But it, again, I'm not a doctor here, but through my experiences, I would highly recommend it. That That's just where I'm at with it. And the thing with this, too, is that it kind of like, e- even if you don't have to, and let's say you do the rehab route, you know, for the next two weeks, let's say he misses this upcoming game against the Jets and then against the Packers game, and then you have the bye. Okay, you have three, three and a half weeks off before then you have the Eagles. Uh, and then by then, obviously, let's assume Trevor Simeon loses two obviously the Jets and the Packers, and then obviously you can't lose on the bye, obviously. But, um, you know, famously so. But this seems like a situation then where season ends and he has the surgery anyway. You know, do- yes, doesn't correct. it, like, uh, like, doesn't it uh, seem yes. like, okay, you get through the season and you finish with four wins. Let's say you get one more anyway. Because think about it. Justin Fields, if he's hampered by the shoulder, like you said to your point about Dalvin Cook being hampered and not looking the same, that's going to impact Justin Fields. He's going to be even maybe subconsciously protecting that shoulder as he's taking hits, as he's running, as he's standing in the pocket. And that's going to be in the back of his mind. Even again, if it's just subconsciously, that is going to change how he plays, which is unfortunate, obviously. So that will probably lead to less, less wins or less winning situations where, you know, he's probably not playing as well. And then, okay, you get through the end of the season, last game happens. And then the next day, we hear that Justin Fields is having surgery for his labor and he's expected back by training camp in August, which would be great, you know, fine. But to your point, just do it now, have him ready for the, you know, optionary, voluntary, optionary, voluntary mini camp. When to your point, he can work with whoever you sign for the offensive line or for the wide receivers or whoever you draft for those mm-hmm. positions and have him there. And he's your leader. He's your guy. So you'd rather have him there. And I know, you know, it's, a, and obviously it's a little different, but you know, the Bengals, didn't have Joe Burrow around for most of their preseason activities. And look how things started for That's them. Obviously, they're playing better now. But, you know, kind of similar in the jump that we're expecting Justin Fields to make. Um, and obviously, the Bengals had had, you know, without Joe Burrow after the ACL injury for a while, too. So not exactly apples to apples here. But similar, if you're going to do the surgery anyway, I guess is my point. If you're going to do it, why not do it tomorrow Correct. instead of doing it on, you know, right. January 28th or whatever? 
you know, what's the point? Yeah. Just get get ahead of, you know, ahead of the situation. You're not expecting to win many games anyway. Trevor yeah. Simeon, then you trot him out there. You could say, hey, you know, we're trying to win games. We're fighting, but you're losing anyway because you have a significant downgrade from your starter to your backup. Trevor Simeon's fine. He's probably yeah. one of the better backups in the league. Right. You know, I, the Jets probably wish they had him right now. But, yeah. you know, th- the way Justin Fields has been playing just at such a level, and you've been losing anyway, what do you think is going to happen when you put the statue that is Trevor Simeon back there, oh, obviously? But then it's you don't even have to make excuses. And then we can stop seeing these pieces and these tweets that, oh, well, Justin Fields ha- lacks the ability to go win a game. Okay, pal. Like, <laughs> it, you know, then we can stop doing that, too. We can stop doing that. It's like, oh, well, we expect to lose because it's Trevor Simeon in front of this already terrible offensive line with these already terrible weapons. Yeah, you're 100% right. There's just no benefit to keeping just to bringing him back. Like if he were to stay out, like what's yeah, it's alluding to your point. Okay, he, he rehabs for a couple of weeks and then, you know, he's coming back for what reason to build connections with Chase Claypool. That's like the only thing I can think of. Like, sure. and I feel like Justin's the type of guy where, you know, if he's, well, if he's out there, he's going to play his hardest. Like he's not going to, you know, sure. if they're three and 11 and he's put back out there, like he's going to try to put the team on his back and win a game. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what a lot of guys do. You know, you love the game so much. That's what you're going to do. Like, he's not just going to sit there and be out there to be out there and not give it his all. You know what I mean? So it's just not worth it. Like, because there, you run the risk of, okay, you know, he's going to wear a harness probably and he's going to rehab it and he comes out there. He could easily re-dislocate it. He easily could. Like my friend also had the same exact injury uh, as me. He played hockey. He re-dislocated it nine times. And then uh, after all the re-dislocations, God. it makes the surgery a lot harder to do. Right. So the more you kind of put stress on it, the harder it is, uh, you know, to repair it correctly. So don't run the risk of any of that. Like, don't don't even mess with it at all. Just get it done. You know, move on to next year. Like, I, I and I honestly think they're probably pondering that right now. I think in the next couple of days, you'll see, you know, all these reports, Justin looking at, at his shoulder doctors, you know, trying to figure out what to do, you know, pondering sure. surgery. Uh, and, and if I'm think about the way Ryan Poles has approached this season, and he obviously is going to have a voice in this. Um, you know, he's yeah. already pretty much shown and, and reflected in his moves that he he's moving on to 2023. You should do that with your starting quarterback. You, 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 you just have to, in my opinion. Um, it, it just, it just needs to be done. But you know, honestly, shame on Luke Getzey, in my opinion, uh, for the for the final the final play calls in that game. Uh, I did, I did not understand why they're running him. And I know Eberflus said one of the plays yeah. was a, a mistake that was supposed to be a draw to Montgomery. Uh, right. Why would you run a draw on that play anyway? So yes, shame on Luke Etsy. And look, I, I'm still overall satisfied with what I've seen from Luke Etsy throughout the entire year. If we were to take an aggregate score of, of if I graded him every week and took an aggregate score, I'm overall uh, you know impressed. But confused, confused. Obviously, he's injured. Obviously, after he gets hit and he's showing the pain in his shoulder, they run a they do a run of the next play. Do they not? Did they not? On the very next play, after he went out, he, yeah. he ran it again. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that was the one where Ibuflu said it was supposed to be a draw. But st- like, what are we doing, man? It just it 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 makes absolutely no sense in that moment. You know, it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, uh, I want to circle back to what you said about this team and the future. Like, this is yeah, it, it it's almost like 
better that the, this is almost an ideal time for this to happen this late in the season where you're not still, you know, theoretically fighting for a playoff. You're not in the hunt, you know, you're near the top of the draft. <laughs> yeah, you're, you know, right now the you're at the third, right now you're in the third overall pick, you know, season ends today. You have the third overall pick. You're a bad team. You're, you're in the basement of the NFL or, or near it. So you don't have to do it. Like if this happened four weeks ago, five weeks ago, they, Oh, Justin's going to come back and you try and win some games and try and stay. Mm-hmm. You can get this surgery and punt on the season, you know, because you still have games against the Eagles and the bills too. You know, it's, those are two hard games. The jets is going to be a tough game. And it also like, it's almost, <coughs> excuse me. It's almost worse. Like for the first time in a while, the bears aren't playing on Thanksgiving. And of course now, like they have the extra four days right. to, right. you know, to figure out if Justin Fields is going to play. If this was a Thursday game, if the bears were on Thanksgiving, it'd be like, no, he's, he's not playing. No. Can't play. There's no shot. God, that would be bad. I'm so glad they're not on Thanksgiving this year. No, that'd be great. That's that would be perfect. Well, I just don't want to well, watch that product. To, uh, yeah, oh <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, right. I mean, Grant, we're gonna watch it anyway. But well, no, yeah. yeah. I mean, they shove it at the eleven o'clock game, so we wouldn't have to completely suggest ourselves, exactly. uh, subject ourselves to it. But yeah, I mean, like it's almost worse. But overall, at the point of the season, this is the perfect time for this to happen because if this was, you know, a week later, they could say, oh, okay, well. He'll miss this game, and then it's the bye. Then he can come back. You got two games before this. You kind of have to make a decision, you know, for the long term of the season. I'm with you, and I'm kind of shocked you're in this camp, but I'm with you. Punt on the season. You saw the only I – mean, There's no benefit. Right, well, the only – so should see that, it that way. That was going to be my next point. I could see the other – like playing devil's advocate. I don't agree with the stake, but I'm presenting this as I can see this train of thought being, well, Justin Fields has just put together the six best weeks of his career. Five best weeks of his career, whatever. And, you know, there, our whole thing has always been with Justin Fields, consistency. We need to see the consistency. And we have for the last month plus. Great. That's all we've ever wanted, you know, and, and more so. He's looked like a star in the making. I could right. see the argument that you want him out there to continue stacking these performances so then you can go into next season. And, and, and great. Me and you are in the camp that he's the guy. He's the dude. He can do this. But I can see the argument for – continuing to stack those good performances and, you know, not ending this season on kind of a sad note of shoulder surgery. I can see that. I don't agree with it. That's not what I'm saying that I think should happen. I'm with you. I think they should just get the surgery done, have it over, hit the reset. Okay. You're ready for next year. But I do see the school of thought of him continuing to go out there and continuing to string these performances together and play well, assuming though, that's assuming he plays well, because like we said, he might not, I mean, his, his play, might suffer a, a pretty significant amount due to the shoulder injury yes. too. Yes, yes, and, and and I think the bottom line is this: you know, what else do you want to see? What else? What else does he have to show you? Fair. You know, he showed you everything that he needs to show you in the, in that five game stint and really throughout the year. And we've all like everyone. There's no questions anymore. Everyone understands what's wrong with the offense, what needs to be done, where the issues lie, and it's not Justin. You know, he doesn't have anything else to prove, in my opinion, to to Matt Eberflus, to Ryan Poles, to Luke Getzey, and to the fan base. He's proven everything that he's the guy and he can do anything you know you want him to do. So now, you know, you, you, you approach the offseason, you figure it out, and, like, you look at it now. I know I've always, you know, oh, you know, win games, and, like, it's just not going to happen. With, with Justin Fields, they're not going to win games. So now we have to look at it like, oh, there's a pretty good chance they have a top three pick, and now you approach it that way. So we can do a little draft talk here because it's relevant. Uh, and I know a lot of fans are would rather hear about, you know, draft talk than hear about us recapping that game. I was watching Will Anderson highlights last night, and 
I know I've been such a big proponent of taking a wide receiver regardless of where you're at in the order, just because if you are top three, my I would advise, hey, move down, collect some picks, and then still get that Quentin Johnson, still get that Jordan Addison. But after the past couple of weeks watching this pass rush, and really what did it for me, I'll tell you what did it for me, Jake. I was watching Vikings-Cowboys, and play after play after play after play, I'm thinking about how Micah Parsons is involved in that game, how he's wrecking the game, and then how bad that defense was before he got there, how bad that Dallas defense was before Micah Parsons arrived. And I'm like, oh, shit, I want one of those. You know what I mean? And, you know, you remember how important a good edge rusher is for your team and really just understanding that, hey, the Bears pass rush is is – Past the weeks, one of the worst that I've seen since I've been a fan. I mean, I mean, I, like I'd rather have Lamar Houston out there at this point. <laughs> like this, this. <laughs> Pernell McPhee, <laughs> Pernell McPhee, give me all of it. I mean, it was bad, and, and, and you know, the the mindset for me has still been this: Hey, there's some talented edge rushers in free agency. There's some three techs in free agency. I'd rather you go after those guys, spend the money on in, in free agency, sure. and then because it's a thin wide receiver market in free agency, take the talent wide receiver in the draft. And I still hold that to be true, but that was really a line of thinking for me before it was even possible that they could get a Will Anderson, that they could have a top three pick. So now you really weigh the balances because you are not taking Quinton Johnson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, or Jordan Addison at number three. You are just not doing it. None of those guys no. are taking at that point. That None would be criminal. That it would be criminal. So you're either trading down and taking one of those guys at 11, picking up a haul, or you're taking, you know, that Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. So the opportunities are there for you. You know, they they really are. And it and it's funny, like this could be a blessing in disguise, Jake, because regardless of what sure. were to happen for the rest of this year, the window is open next year. The window is already going to start open next year. So now you have a chance to get even better by having a better draft pick, and you're going to do that because Justin got hurt. So. Maybe a blessing in disguise that he got hurt. Like I don't, I'm not saying I'm happy that he got hurt. And I'm happy I don't get to watch him on Sundays. But when you look at the long term view, if Simeon's going to be in there and you're only going to win one more game, you're going to have a top three pick. He's going to field's going to be fine for next year. You know, you might be rocking and rolling at the beginning of 2023. Yeah, I mean, especially I mean, so like you also have to consider this offensive line free agent class. Like Orlando Brown is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Ever heard of him? He's he's pretty good. It, Mike McGlinchey's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Ever heard of him? Jack Conklin's going to be a free agent. Ever heard of him? All come from pretty good te- Kansas City and Cleveland and uh, San Francisco. All teams with pretty good offensive lines. Not not too shabby. All guys under thirty two. I mean, Orlando Brown obviously would be like the peak of the peak. He's twenty six and he's an elite left uh, left tackle. Is he but really, only twenty six. He's twenty six. He's he's quite. Well, he's twenty six and a half. But yeah, he's in his. Who like, was he drafted by? Uh, was he, he wasn't drafted by the Chiefs. He was traded to the Chiefs. No, he? he was drafted by the Ravens. He, he on the Chiefs now, right? Isn't he? Yes, he I'm is on the trade. Chiefs now. Yes, right. So I don't remember uh, what that trade was, but yeah, Baltimore. I was right. Yeah, yeah I knew it was that. Baltimore, but I, I, I was like, I don't even remember that trade at yeah, all. But yes, uh, I mean. Pretty good. That's first round pick, third round pick, fourth round pick in the 2022 fifth. Yeah, that was last year. Um, he's been absolutely huge. I saw him on Sunday Night Football um, yesterday. Bigger need O line or D line, says J Rock in the chat. Offensive line. I disagree. 
I, uh, you know, it, well, it's, okay. again, so I guess with that everyone the, healthy. Well, I guess that also depends on like, if like, who are you drafting? Will Anderson or Pete Skaronsky at, at number three, let's say like that, Will that Anderson. factors into it. If you well, want to I, take I, a first round pick on O-line. But I, I would also vote Anderson, but um, if you're going to, if you're saying we're drafting Anderson, then it's O-line 100%. Like, yeah, 100. And I might, I might even say so anyway, because quarterback's the most important position. Like you have to, that is far and away needs to be, like, I get it. And for, we'll get into the Tevin Jenkins situation because what the yes, hell, but do. the offensive line you've seen, like how bad this is. Like you really want Riley reef coming back another year. You really, you really think that Michael Schofield's going to sit here and get doinked to well, the no, back of the head but, for another year. Like, well, no, so that's where that's, that's where I'm saying. So again, we did this the other week and it's important to remember. So you have left tackle Braxton Jones, who's here to stay. I don't think they're going to try to upgrade there. It wouldn't make a ton of sense. I mean, they unless might. it's Orlando Brown, unless it's Orlando Brown, which in that case, fuck yes, do it. Uh, Sign me up. Yes. You know, Cody <laughs> Whitehair's not going anywhere. You know, he's, he hasn't been great this year, but I, you know, you really going to try to spend money to upgrade left guard? Probably not. He's average uh, to above average and you can't afford to just let him walk away. Exactly. And then you have Lucas Patrick, who's on that two-year deal, who will be your center next year. So I mean, he's healthy. You probably got to go get some depth. Or if you believe in Doug Kramer, he's your depth and cut Sam Mustafer. And then right guard, we obviously got that, you know, Pro Bowl talent of Tevin Jenkins. So really, again, the only issue for me is right tackle. Like that's where you need a big upgrade. Um, now you could afford to upgrade at left tackle, but you need to find someone to write that. Like that is that is 100% what you need to do. Now on the defensive front, you got a lot of problems. You need a real better three tech. You need, you know, a couple of edge rushers. So I, I look at it that way. Um, and it doesn't really affect how I view the draft all that much because as I'm Scott says in the chat, I don't really believe there's an O-line prospect who's worth taking in the top five. Uh, you know, Skaronsky's maybe eight or nine. Uh, so another situation where you could trade down with a team that's a uh, quarterback needy. But True. spend your money on the D line uh, and and maybe one premier O lineman, and it's just a, so nice that you you know are are capable of doing that. But you know, talking about Tevin Jenkins, let's get into that. This is Jake, my probably my biggest pet peeve in sports. The most frustrating thing in sports for me is activating a player, telling us they're healthy, and then not having that player play a single snap. Mm-hmm. What's the reason? What's the reason of activating him? Leave him off. Leave him off. Activate Nikhil Harry instead. Why are you activating on him and not having him play a single snap, especially especially when the other guy's been a complete liability all year? Yeah. Or not all I, year, I'm all with game. you. I, I mean, especially when Tevin Jenkins was your best offensive lineman for, you know, all, basically all year. You know, ever since he returned to the starting lineup, he's been your best offensive lineman. He's also one of your only pieces on the offense right now. Granted, on the whole team – that you know is good, you want to be here for the foreseeable future. He's on the second year of a rookie contract. You know, th- this guy you're assuming is going to be here and be in front of Justin Fields for the next, hopefully, three to four, five, six, you know, X amount of years. Yeah. And he's not playing. Like, I, if he's not healthy, fine, get that. Don't play him. You know, he has had these back issues and whatever. But, you know, Jenkins, if you're going to have him active, play him. Like, it, it's, it's, it, it's very weird. It's very bizarre. This whole Tevin Jenkins tenure in Chicago has constantly been shrouded and, you know, hampered by just these weird situations that we don't ever really get an answer to. 
oh, he has this back injury and he's out most of the year. And okay, now he's going to play, but sparingly in his rookie year and he'll be here and there. And, you know, you're never really going to know when you see him. Okay, well, now the new regime maybe wants to trade him and or maybe, you know, just walk, move on from him because they're not sure. Is. Oh, actually, now he's going to be starting. And okay, now he's your best offensive lineman. Okay, now he has another injury. And okay, now he's not playing. He's a health, he's healthy, but he's not going to play at all. Yeah, it's just bizarre. It's just very, very, very weird, especially with you know, like Josh says in the chat, Schofield has not been good. He's been bad. He was like, a liability. Yeah, and you know, so much so that Justin Fields hit him in the head. It's like <laughs> trying. To, to hey, buddy, figure it out. Him. Yeah, so it's like oh, if Dickens isn't healthy, fine. I, I can accept that. Protect the assets, the minimum, the small amount of assets that you have. Protect those, which is why we just spent a bunch of time talking about Justin Fields and maybe why you should sit him for the rest of the year. But if he's going to be active, play him. To your point, if he's not, play Nikhil Harry. He's a guy that Correct. maybe that you gave him a draft pick for. Granted, a seventh rounder, but still, play him. See what you have. You know, get Alex Leatherwood in there. He's a guy you picked up who was a former first round pick. See if he's worth literally anything instead of just yep. taking up air on the sideline. Like <laughs> you're in a position as you know, the Bears, you're a bad team. You might as well figure out what the what the deal is for next year, who you can count on to be in this building and might be able to contribute. Michael Schofield's not coming back. No. Michael Schofield's not gonna be part of this team. No. So, Leatherwood, he might be a reserve. He could be your sixth offensive lineman. You, you're not going to know unless you try. Nikhil right. Harry might be your number three. He could be the replacement for Equinomia St. Brown next year. You're not going to know unless you play him. So play him. It doesn't make sense. Not that hard. It doesn't. It's, and this has sort of been a common theme. This is what we talked about with Bayless Jones Jr. Active and not on the field, right? You know, in his first couple of weeks that he was active, it just it just makes no sense. It's it's the biggest pet peeve of mine. Again, I get it if he's not healthy, but if he's not healthy, make it a make him inactive. If he is active on Sunday, he better be out there and playing snaps. That's that's just. That's the way I see it. That's the way. And it's oh, also a good segue to, to Chase Claypool, too, right? I mean, it, it's oh, not the same situation, yeah. but, you know, similar thing where. Worse. Uh, it, Worse. It, it might be because I don't, like, I don't buy. I don't buy. And Dilfer was saying this today on Parkinson Spiegel at 6 7 to score. You know, the Bears' offense isn't that complicated. It's not like he's, he's having trouble figuring it out. And, again, it's the position where you probably – Need to know the playbook at least, you know. Like I, I sure. go run a run a slant. Like what the hell are we doing? You know what I mean? And you know he, he's out there a decent amount, but still not really getting involved. And I don't know. Right. I have to watch all twenty two, see if that's really on him. But you know, and the unfortunate thing is now you you know it, with the injury to Fields, you kind of really squandered your opportunity to to have them build that in game connection, right? I mean, if they don't play another yeah. game together for the rest of the year, now you're going to be going all throughout training camp and going into next year saying, hey, well. You know, if things aren't going well for the first couple of weeks next year with them too, it's like, well, they didn't have that connection because last year, like, you had opportunities to to get these guys on the same page, and you know, he wasn't on the field for the first few games, and then last week he was on the, or this past Sunday he was on the field a little bit, but wasn't really involved as a pass catcher. So, oh God, and and, and boy, does it does it look bad now because of how high the second round pick is going to be? I mean, that's basically a first round pick now. If you're the, if you're the third pick in the draft. Your, your second round pick is going to be pick 36 or 35. And it's basically a first rounder. Like you could just sit, take Will Anderson and get your wide receiver at pick 35. And now you have to wait till 40 something because the Ravens are winning games. So, oh, yep. it's frustrating. Like I still, well, I'm not out on some Claypool, but that's crazy, Kevin. It's almost like somebody said that the Bears were better off giving up 
the Ravens pick for Claypool instead well, of their own. I never somebody disagreed else with came that. On the show and was like, well, the Ravens could be a bad team. I never said they could be a bad team. I just say don't assume that the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl and that's going to be pick 62 or 64. You know what I mean? Fuck. It still will probably be in the 50s. And, and let me make this clear. I'm not out on Chase Claypool either. Like, I'm not saying that it's already a bad trade and they deserve an F sure. for it. That's not what I'm saying. But it's hard to look at it when you see Claypool not be involved as he is and then you see the, the draft stock, uh, your, your draft positioning go up and you're like, well, it doesn't look great given what he's done so far. Um, but well, it's locked her up. It's not him to blame. I, I don't think it's entirely on him, though. Well, I mean, it's hard no, to say. No, it, yeah, it, it's obviously we're not in that building, but so it is hard to say. But you're right. I mean, it, it's and next year was always going to be the year that you were going to hope that the Claypool trade play, paid off dividends. Like you were never hoping that Chase Claypool was going to come in here this year and your offense was going to be transformed suddenly. There's too many other holes all around around the offense on the line the other receivers in the room, so on and so forth. Like, it's just, that was never the goal. The, the Chase Claypool trade was never made with this year in mind. It was made with next year in mind. That being said, you were still hoping that that rapport could be built with Justin Fields and Chase Claypool so you could have something to be excited about going into next year. So you could go into next year and say, all right, you know, Darnell Mooney probably is only a two, maybe a high-end two, but he's still a two. He's not, he's not a number one. He's not a star receiver. And Chase Claypool has shown flashes, maybe not being a superstar level wide receiver he's not going to be aj brown or a jamar chase but somebody who you can you know is a reliable number one guy who your quarterback can feel good about throwing too late in the game and that was supposed to be about next year the hype train be like all right you know mm -hmm. chase claypool and darnell mooney and these guys get bumped out now cole Komet is continues to emerge had another good Man. game and you're supposed to feel good about that now you might have lost Justin Fields for the year and you saw nothing with Chase Claypool. All you've seen is a couple quick screens and bubble screens and weird stuff, and he's barely on the field. And it's just bizarre, especially this week, because we gave him the benefit of the doubt. We gave him two weeks. We're like, all right, you know, maybe there just needs to be, you know, kind of an ingratiating process where it's like, okay, he's kind of just yep. got to get in the groove, you know, kind of get into the locker room, find his footing, whatever. Fine. Totally understand. You know, midseason trades are hard. All good. But then we started hearing, leading up to the Falcons game, oh, Chase Claypool's ready. Oh, Chase Claypool has a handle on the playbook now. <laughs> oh, Chase Claypool, now we don't have to, you know, we don't have to specifically point out plays for him now. He gets it now. Yeah. All right, now he's ready to go to work. Now he's ready to kind of be more involved. And then he's not at all. He's a non-factor once again. You know, and it's just so bizarre. And you, you started this conversation by saying, you know, it's almost as bad as the Jenkins situation. I think it's worse. I think it's way worse. Because Jenkins yeah, at is. least tag of, okay, this is kind of happening because of an injury and he's been injury prone before. And maybe you do want to be careful with him because of those past injuries. Understandable. Chase Claypool came with expectations. Chase Claypool came with the stigma of you traded a second round pick for him. Chase Claypool came with you're giving Justin Fields a weapon now. And now three weeks later, he has five catches for a handful of yards. And it's been largely disappointing. And now you might not get to see it until training camp next year. So it's kind of like, what was even the point? And again, I circle back to what I was originally saying that the Chase Claypool trade was never about this year. It was always about next year. But it leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth. And I don't blame any Bears fans that are like, well, what the hell do we trade a second round pick for? Like, to your point, Kevin, that could have turned into one of these receivers who, as it looks, stands now, these receivers continue to fall farther and farther back in this draft as they continue to not really play so well. but. It's like or play at all. 
Right. And, and it's like, well, what was the point? It leaves you with a bad taste, especially when it's, all right, well, Justin Fields is done, and now we have this receiver. What's the point of having him? And the defense sucks, and blah, 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 blah. And it, it's very disappointing. It's very bizarre. Uh, and, you know, Scott makes a good point. Scott makes a good point. Actually, if Hunter Semien is going to force feed Chase, I believe that. Especially, I mean, we've seen that before with veteran quarterbacks well. who come in. I mean, look what happened uh, with Joe Flacco and what's his face, uh, Elijah Moore. Joe Joe Flacco loved Elijah Moore. Did in he? New York, and then like Zach Wilson came in, and Elijah Moore just kind of fell off the face of the earth, and it, yeah. it was bizarre. And then so much so that he was like, I, "I want out of here. They won't give me the ball." It, kind of the same thing. So I could kind of see that, and maybe that, and maybe that's the best case scenario. Maybe if Justin Fields tomorrow gets announced that he's having shoulder surgery and we're not going to see him for the rest of the year, maybe that's what you have to root for, that Jeremy Simeon is going to continue to feed Cole Komet and help his star continue to ascend, and that Chase Claypool gets more involved. I don't know. It remains to be seen what that silver lining is going to have to be, if there even is one, uh, instead of all of us going out there and sitting on the edge of our seat and hoping Justin Fields doesn't get more hurt. But, yeah, I mean, the Chase Claypool thing so far has been a complete dud. I mean, I think think part of it is – you're going to see them pass the ball more, I think, with Simeon, just because he's going to, they're going to probably, because they know they have to, right? I mean, they're going to run the ball a lot, but if he's going to be sitting in the pocket, it's going to be, they're going to design a lot of these, you know, little quick things for him. Right. Uh, he's not going to hold shit. on to the ball. He's not going to hold on to the ball, and then he's not going to escape the pocket or anything like that. He's going to be sitting in there and trying to deliver to those guys trying to force it because he has no choice. Um, and you know, again, it's confusing. It's confusing because it's hard to evaluate sometimes because still, like, he has to spread the ball around. He likes Darna Mooney. He likes Cole Komet. And he's only throwing the ball 21 times a game. Like, it's not really even possible to say that Chase Claypool should be getting ever five receptions in a game or six or six or seven. He's just not throwing the ball enough to where he can get it to that, you know, to those guys. So that's part of it, too, in my opinion, is, you know, they aren't throwing enough to really give everyone full opportunities. And that goes down the depth chart. Like, again, Byron Pringle isn't maybe the most inspiring player, but should he be averaging like five yards a game? No, he should be a little bit more involved than that. Right. Like. You saw how he was involved in Kansas City. You saw the things that he can do. And I, th- I think part of it is that you just don't throw enough to give these guys opportunities. They just don't, mm-hmm. don't do enough. And, and and part of it is this, right? What we saw weeks one through six, we kind of chalked it up to this after week six when it was really, you know, the pinnacle of things going wrong after that commander's game and right before mm-hmm. things started to go right. Was we said, I don't think Luke Getze and Justin Fields have trust in their offensive line. And that affects the way that they play the game. It affects play calling and it affects the way that Justin Fields plays the game, right? You know, I don't think Luke Getze is comfortable saying, hey, we're going to let you sit in this pocket and get killed. We'd rather actually have you be in control of your body by running, you know, and if you get hit that way, so be it. But we'd rather have you be in control of it instead of saying, hey, we're going to have to trust Sam Musta for one-on-one versus a really good, you know, nose tackle or trust. Braxton Jones or Riley Reef one-on-one versus, you know, great edge rushers. Uh, and then you're going to get killed from your blind side. And that affects the play calling. It did weeks one through six. And I think it has, you know, the past couple weeks, just uh, given the fact that Jenkins was out, uh, given the fact that Patrick is still out. Uh, so those things totally affect, in my opinion, why they haven't thrown as much. Because everyone is like so puzzled. Why are they throwing more? And, and they still, and don't get me wrong. It's not a, I'm not you know, letting Luke Getzey off the hook when it comes to that. Like, they should be throwing more. And I think even in that game, they sort of went away 
from play action. They sort of went away from getting yeah. Justin Fields on the move, um, you know, in the pocket. It didn't make a lot of sense, a lot of moving pockets. But, you know, as a coach, it's also your job to understand the limitations of your team. It's your job to understand the strengths of your team, and it's also your job to understand the limitations. And I think he knows very well that his offensive line has limitations, and he'd rather have Justin, you know, be on the run on his own instead of just sitting in the pocket and, and getting killed. So, you know, I, I think as we go on to next year, uh, because I'm just already looking to next year as far as the next game. <laughs> the, the Kevin plays. Lapka, the last two well, weeks, no, I'm the, just the Kevin Lapka no, post no, no, game no, no, Snapchat no, no, no. stories and Instagram stories of looking at game film of college prospects has been very funny. It it yeah. makes me laugh every time. Well, I'm and, and if I'm being honest, like I need it, you know, because I it's your coping it, mechanism. It's, it's my coping mechanism. But dude, I've been angry. Like I I was I destroyed a Devin Hester bobblehead after the Lions game. Like I destroyed it. It's, it's not. I oh, like kind of Josh, messed up. Hold on, real, real quick. Josh J in the chat. We the Mustafa Christmas. Don't worry. We know. We've the, the comments section gets very. What did he say? Oh, he's careful, careful with, with the Mustafa criticism. Olin gets upset, Olin or so I've heard. Upset. Now the comments get upset. The people on TikTok yeah. get upset if you talk about Sam Mustafa and how he's bad every time. Go to our. He go to might. Our t- go to our TikTok yeah, and our see TikTok. my rant from a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, Mustafa. that was good. Uh, Evergreen. That that thing is evergreen. It is evergreen. Um, yeah, I, I was wondering uh, what the fate of the bobbleheads became because you you famously posted up this this uh, week that you had to pivot to new bobbleheads, and I was wondering if maybe that was a choice or if that was a necessity. And it appears my question was answered. It it was a choice. Uh, I mean, I don't know, like. This he's a little mangled, and I, you know, this is a nice bobblehead. He didn't. This <laughs> a nice bobblehead. I was gonna say, damn. <laughs> I yeah, it was Bears Chiefs Sunday Night Football 2019, uh, and I didn't even know they were giving them out. I was like, oh, I'll take a bobble, a Devin Hester bobblehead, but I still got Dick Buckus and Gail Sayers. So we're not destroying those ones. Those guys, he got. We like. Um, all right, a couple more things that I want to hit from this game. Um, Cole Komet still has another good game. Uh, and not you yep. know what we came to expect the last couple of games, but three catches, thirty-five yards, a big catch uh, with the one-handed grab, which was awesome, uh, Justin Jefferson-esque, if you will. But it was great, a really, <laughs> oh, really nice that. catch. Cole Komet continues to be involved. He continues to be the clear number two in this offense. The, Justin Fields clearly trusts him to make plays and to be that safety blanket and make chunk plays. And that's all we've ever said. George, Cole Komet continued to say he's not going to be Trace, tra- Trace, Travis Kelsey, but he can nope. be really good and, and he can be someone that is reliable and a big part of this offense going forward. Uh, so that continues to be a bright spot. Um, I did enjoy, I, I did this, this was simultaneously enjoyable and also a little frustrating. Uh, they did take one deep shot to Darnell Mooney early in the game. And then it seems like they went away from it. And this has been mm-hmm. time and again with the Bears play calling, Luke Getzi's play calling, where there's one shot taken early in the game down the sideline and it falls incomplete and then it doesn't, doesn't get involved again. You know, Justin Fields, this time this one was a little on him. He did overthrow Darnell Mooney a bit. I also thought Darnell Mooney slowed down a little bit, but maybe he just lost the ball for a second. Um, totally understandable. Whatever it happens, eventually those are going to start to fall, as we've said. Uh, it was unfortunate because if he did hit it, would have been a walk-in touchdown for Darnell Mooney. Um, and maybe things change in that game, but they those do. eventually start to fall. But then they, they get conservative and they go to the run and then they don't try to air it out as much anymore, or take those shots. And it's very weird. And maybe it is just because of the personnel you have. Um, and maybe it's just because Chase Claypool hasn't been what you thought he was going to be, but it is, it, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. Uh, it's also interesting when you know your opponent, like clearly they went into that. That was the first, was that the first drive of the game? 
that they did second, that? I believe. Second, it was early, right? It was early, and yes. you know we. I, I think it would have been it would have been Darnell Mooney's second touchdown. Right, right, and 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 they listen to Bears Nation podcast. They know we talked all all yes, episode about how bad that pass second, how bad that pass defense is, how bad that secondary is. You know, oh, let's attack them early, and they did, and it worked pretty much. Uh, and then they just forget about it. It uh, just doesn't make any sense. Like, remember your opponent. They didn't just magically get better because you, you know, threw incomplete down the field. And, you know, uh, Jay Rock is is sort of correct about the line can't block enough to throw deep. It's, That's again, fair. it goes back to that point where they know that and they're probably not designing plays because of that. Uh, you know, where sure. you're just going to send guys four verts and have give Justin no option to, to complete something underneath, right? Uh, they can't do that all the time. So that'll change next year as well. But... Uh, yeah, that was frustrating. Now, here's a question for you. Better catch, Cole Komet last week against the Falcons or Darna Mooney against the Vikings? Who had the better one-handed catch? Who? Do you remember that Mooney one? Yeah, yeah. I got to say Mooney. I, I, I also lean Mooney. But also, but, getting hit the way Cole yeah. Komet did and holding on to it? I mean, they're both, they're both for different reasons. Very, very good and, and credit, like spectacular yes. in both ways. But it's nice that you have guys that at least can – you know, make those plays. I would say Mooney. Yeah, I think yeah. that one's better. Um, all right. Uh, before we start to wrap this up, one last thing. Uh, the Velas Jones Jr. weekly tracker uh, did have a kick return to mm-hmm. open the game. That was very uh, encouraging. And then we didn't see him again. <laughs> and, uh, and then that was the only time we saw him. And it was a great return. And it started the game fast. But he did almost lose that catch, that kick. <laughs> he he bottled it for a second. Um, and then he turned it into a big game. But where are we at with Velas Jones Jr., Kevin Lapka? The floor is yours. I uh, I think we know. I, I think we know what he is, and I think we were right about him. He was drafted to be your you know, gadget guy kick returner. He was drafted to be that. I mean, that, that's all he is to them right now is he can give you a burst maybe on a kick return, but he's not going to see the field consistently as a pass catcher. He'll get involved to run a fake jet sweep every once in a while, and maybe one time he'll actually get the ball on a jet sweep. But other than that, he is not a viable uh, option as a pass catcher, and it seems like they're comfortable with that. Again, like, is there a chance that, you know, they go into the offseason and things change and it gets acclimated? Yeah, but, like, at some point, at some point, we can't look at it that way with every single guy. You know, at some point, you got to be on the field making plays. You're a third round pick. You're fully healthy. Uh, you got it's got you got to see it. So I think everything that we speculated in really since draft season, this was our biggest worry. You know, the moment he was drafted is obviously what we do as you know, if you want to call us analysts or commentators, or whatever. Is like you you try to find the positive of every draft pick. Like it's it's dumb to be out on a, a draft pick ever moment when they're drafted because sure. great draft picks look have looked terrible. Bad draft picks have looked great. You just do not know. It's impossible to really tell. Uh, but we were always a little bit worried that he was going to be just that for this team. That he was going to be the gadget guy and he was going to be a returner and that's all he was going to be. And that's what you couldn't afford to take in the third round. So I think Jake, what we've learned is is we're right. I, I just I just think that's what he is. <laughs> I just think that's what he is. And if he turns out to be a great kick returner and he provides you with a bunch of plays that put you in good field positioning for the next three years, great. That's fine. Uh, but it's un- it's unfortunate that that's what it has uh, come to. Yeah, I-, I look at it this way. Uh, he had more positive plays on Sunday than he did negative plays. Granted, it was only one play. But still, we'll take it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's better. It's, it, granted, it's the only play we really saw him on the field for, but 
it's better than what we had seen in previous weeks. It's better than being inactive. At least he contributed. Yes. Maybe that's a jumping off point, and now you can build from there. So I'll take it. It's a groundwork. Um, last, last thing. Jaquan Brisker's so good. He's he's really, really good. Man, he's, he's a dog. He's really good. He's that like, guy. He's him. He's he's that guy. Uh, incredible draft pick by Ryan Poles. Uh, just absolutely nailed it. That guy is continues to just be an unbelievable. I, I mean, uh, someone who could potentially be a star. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely could be a star. We are. We already knew that his ceiling. His ceiling is you know all pro. Very I think his high. ceiling is all pro. Now, what are your real quick? What are your where are you at? We did the heat check for Bayless Jones Jr. What's your heat check with Kyler Gordon after this game? I mean, I mean the London touchdown. I mean Gordon wasn't even in the same zip code as Drake London on that. Were they man play. on that play? I can't remember. I think so, but I mean the, they awesome. showed one angle where like they they showed like the end zone <laughs> side angle where it's like closer and like Drake yeah. London's all by himself. Hey, granted, it was a good throw by Mariota too to get it right in the corner of the end zone there too, but. Kyler Gordon was basically like outside of the stadium as good as like how far behind Drake London he was. And Drake London's really good. But Kyler Gordon, I mean, I don't know. He, I'm not worried about him though. I'm not could, worried. He could potentially be taking the Kyle Fuller route where it's like, he just might not be great his first year. And then he gets better. Um, still mo- more weeks than not. We don't hear his name which in general is good for a defensive back when you're not hearing their name as much. So, but also like this is a defensive line that isn't getting any pressure. Quarterbacks have all de- all the time in the world to throw, uh, even if it is Marcus Mariota and he makes terrible throws basically right to Nicholas Morrow who can't make an interception apparently. But, you know, it, it that makes it harder. So, I'm not out on Kyler Gordon. That one the one touchdown to Drake London looked bad, but I think overall he will end up being a fine player. It also stinks like I think he's under more scrutiny when brisker is playing so well and he was right, drafted a comparison game yeah so it's like oh well we have one rookie who's balling out what's wrong with the other one and it's just kind of that situation but um you have one more thing kevin yeah this is like our fifth one more thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i don't know if you saw so some, some people are looking today at you know the the end zone view of the final play of the game that was the interception by mm-hmm. justin fields and you know, I don't think they would have scored on that drive anyway, so it doesn't matter that much. He, I think he was yeah. just in too much pain. And it was clearly affecting him. But when you look at that play, it almost looked like that pass was supposed to be intended for Darnell Mooney when you know through the end zone view because Darnell Mooney was right behind him, and it looked like if 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 Montgomery hadn't actually jumped up and tried to catch it, Mooney might have caught it for a first down. I don't know if you saw the same thing that I did. You end up seeing that clip? I did not. Yeah, you Let should take see. a look at that because it's really did you, interesting. Did you tweet and, it? I I don't think I tweeted it. Uh, there are a couple people tweeted it, but um, I just think that's you know it, it's interesting to go back and see that that might have been the case. Um, it would explain a little bit. Now this is what we do: we try to find excuses to make Justin look right, good in yeah. any situation. Like <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, he couldn't have thrown a bad interception. It's impossible. So I, I get we're doing that, but it is. But I actually wouldn't be surprised um if that were the case because Mooney was behind him and he had a little bit of separation and there are people saying that Montgomery should have caught that ball don't go that far that's a hard play to make he you cannot expect him to catch that ball does maybe Christian McCaffrey catch that ball maybe but you can't expect him that's a really hard play to make uh where he was on the field and given you know his change of direction there to get up in the air it's a hard play to make don't don't say oh blame Dave Montgomery that's the wrong thing to do 
Um, well, so Dave Montgomery isn't your prototypical pass catcher. All right, I'm at some like except except for that play. catch he made down the sideline. Hell of a play! Yes, that was unbelievable. Yeah, that that was really good. That was uh, you, you win some, you lose some. It happens. Um, no, but all in all, at the end of the day, the biggest storyline that you take from this is Justin Fields, his shoulder, how that you know impacts the rest of the season, and where you go from there. I choose to look at it as another ideal loss that Justin Fields plays really well. Last play of the game doesn't really go your way. Could have really gone either way. Kind of, you know, Dan Montgomery maybe should have come down with that. Maybe not have. Maybe should have been a better throw. Justin Fields is playing through a lot of pain. A lot of different factors. Like Kevin said, we, of course, are more inclined to make these excuses for Justin Fields and find these excuses. But overall, another really good day from him. You are now tied for the second overall pick in the NFL draft. You're staring a top three pick right in the face. Probably not going to see Justin Fields this week. A marquee matchup of Mike White versus Trevor Simeon coming right down the pipe, ladies and gentlemen. So make sure to come here this show on Wednesday as we break down the New York Jets versus the Chicago Bears. Mike White, the Iceman Mike White versus Trevor Simeon and the Chicago Bears as the Bears fight for a top draft pick we will be here are we on, sure are we gonna do a show are we sure we're, we're doing, doing a show do we're, doing a show. we're doing a show and we'll break it down we'll have more clarity on the justin field situation we'll have more updates on that situation and we'll be able to provide more updates on that and then more project how the rest of the season looks for the bears with the scope of justin field's shoulder and his injury and how they'll handle that so come here on wednesday even if you aren't super jazzed talk about the jets versus the bears we'll make it fun we'll have our bold predictions i'm definitely gonna go four for four again so come just for that if nothing else and then bet everything i say because obviously i'm gonna be right and kevin's gonna have some stupid parlay for you so come on wednesday watch the show we'll be here and we will do some fun it'll be a, a pre-holiday show it'll be loose it'll be fun it'll be a good time so Come back here on Wednesday, Bears Nation podcast. Myself and Kevin will break down the matchup that's coming up this weekend against the Jets. Thank you to everyone, as always, in the comments. Some new faces, some new names in here. We hope you come back Wednesday. We hope you enjoyed what you saw. Listeners, we appreciate you just as much, as always, as well. So until Wednesday, we'll see you then. And as always, Bear Down.